Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. So the first thing I have for you guys is a video. So we will watch our video together. Something you've talked about, which I think think is great and lots of people don't, but we're getting better, is you've talked about the fact that you do suffer from anxiety. Mm. It's something that you have to live with and it's something that you... I also struggled a lot with anxiety and depression. You did? Uh Uh-huh. I have um, some sort of anxiety, depression, something that's changed my whole life. I feel like I'm always trying to to work through uh, whatever... You know, certain issues are around certain subjects. Yeah. I think the thing is about anxiety is that it comes in phases and it's different for everybody. And I really wanted to do well at school to please my parents, to please my family. I didn't really care that much about school. Personally, again, I'm not like a very outgoing, um, like social person, like in terms of big groups of people. I think I pushed myself so far got to the point where I had a bit of a mental breakdown. You've got so many things to worry about now, whether you're struggling for exams, whether you're struggling with home life, whether you're struggling with friends, then you have the social media angle. You can understand why, you know, that coupled with the fact that you don't get out of the house because you're staring at a screen the whole time, mm. there's got to be a lot of issues that are yeah. going to build from that if you're not careful. And it's always sold as though everybody else's life is perfect. Yeah. That's the problem. And therefore you think if that, oh, you know, everyone else's life is perfect, there must be something wrong with me. This is the, this is the age that we live in. We're not actually communicating with each other we are unconsciously communicating lies for me personally i think it, it comes from a place of uh, not ever wanting to uh, come across as an, an over arrogant person or a person that takes himself too seriously um i i'm not always trying to um be pretentious or you know to say something that i think is going to change the world uh, i feel like i'm one voice among millions i thought that I was completely alone. I also realised how lucky I was and what a wonderful family and wonderful friends I had, but that didn't matter. I wanted the world to swallow me up. I was not not in a good mental place, you know, and I wasn't really dealing with it. I wasn't going to therapy. I wasn't talking to my friends. Nobody knew. Um, I would just go home at night after hanging out with my friends and I would just cry in my bed. I thought I was going mentally insane. Literally, I thought that from that moment on, for the rest of my life, I was going to be stuck in my head, freaking out without any reason, and I thought I would be the only one that would know what I was really experiencing. I don't think we're equipped with the vocabulary to understand, because if I walk in here with a broken arm and sit down here, you know... I say, oh, you're probably sore, then you are watching. Whereas I think people are more than able to, you know, masquerade, and and they can be going through... Who knows what? My mom sat me down when I was probably 18. And when I was 18 said, if you start to feel like you are twisting things around you and you start to feel like there is no sunlight around you and you you are paralyzed with fear, this is what it is and here's how you can help yourself. Something you've... T- All right, I would bet that if we took a poll that literally every single person inside of this room could identify or relate to at least one thing that one of those celebrities said. Every person. I I would venture to say that there's not one person in here who could really truly say 
that they have never experienced any of those things that were spoken of tonight, right? Um, and some of us may feel those things all the time or a lot, or some of us um, may experience those things maybe even for the first time because some of you are young and maybe those kind of stressors and those kind of feelings haven't really hit your life yet. And so maybe one of the first times it happens, you're really scared because you don't, it's not something that a whole lot of kids deal with. So as you get older, we kind of start to to get on that little roller coaster ride of life. But there's a couple of things that different ones um, said that really stuck out to me. And one of them um, kind of alluded to the fact that it's kind of like um, you're riding waves, right? Because there are times in our lives where our emotions and with our emotions, we're really high, like we're at a crest. And then there's going to be times in our lives where we're in those troughs. We're at the very bottom, right? And so like we have to know how to navigate through that. Just like if you were really in an ocean. Um, one of the things that someone said was that life is full of so many things. And as young people today, working with young people, you have busy lives. I have a busy life. We have lives that are constantly being packed and then they're packed with more things and then they're packed with more things. But sometimes all of those things that are getting packed in our lives, they just make us feel what? Swallowed, overwhelmed, I heard scared. There's so many different emotions that come with that. Um, one of the, um, Prince Harry, I think, is the one that said that social media today just packages things and it sells us this, this image. And this is so true that everybody's life is perfect. Everybody's life is all that you see on those Instagram post and, you know, on their Snapchats and everything else. And, and we know like, cause we know our own, you know, like we'll sit there and we try to edit that picture and we try to stage everything so that it's just right. And then think about it. How many of you have done this? You get that picture and you're like, Oh man, this is it. This is perfect. Yeah. It's exactly how I wanted it to look. And really in real life, it's like, whatever you took it up did not even look like that. Like, Come on. That's not what it looked like. So, um, recently, like Emma said, I started baking again. And so, um, Michael, you know, he's living in my house right now. So let me cash in on that, you know, cause he's Mr. Photographer. And so he took a picture of one of the things that I made and I'm like, where did you even take this at? Like he, I thought he was in my kitchen, but like when you look at the picture, that's not my kitchen cause my kitchen does not look that good, but that's what social media does today. And then the result of that is all of us thinking, man, if that's what their life is like, my life sucks. My life is not that good. And so we start getting fed and we start thinking these things, but they're not even reality. And they're not even based on reality. They're based on this falsehood that we're being shown. And I I find it's the most true because like, you know, I mean, the people around you, you know, the people that you're in school with, you know, the people that you know, that other people know, you know how it is, but it's a lot of these celebrities and these people that are made famous through social media, you know, they, they have to keep at least, um, I think statistics say that you have to post like three to four times a day, um, to keep yourself relevant. Well, Okay, come on. Three to four times a day, they're not all smiling like that. And they're not all, like, that's just not reality, but that's not what we're being sold. We're being sold that life is perfect like that. Um, Then one of them said that I thought that I was alone. And, like, there are so many different times in your life where you can be surrounded by so many people. You can be surrounded by so many people who love you, 
who care about you, who adore you. But there are times where reality is we can't help but feel alone. Right? How many of you have experienced that? Like, that's truth. There are just times where we have people all around us, but you feel empty. You feel alone. You feel like you're all by yourself, kind of swimming way out in an ocean, like a buoy, just kind of going up and down, up and down with the waves, even though there's people all around us. Another one said, um, it was the guy, and he was saying that, um, you know, all these people were all around us, and he he was going through all of this, and he was going home. I think he's the one that said he was going home crying in his bed, but nobody ever knew because he never even told them. And you guys are, like, experts at that. Teenagers are amazing at, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great, doing fine, putting on the smile. Life is good. Life is great. But it's not really that good, and it's not really that great. And when you go home at night, that's where your true emotions come out. But we have to start changing the tide. We have to start changing the way that we do things if we want things to change on the inside of us. So that's one of those like little cliche things. If you do nothing, if you don't do anything different, then nothing's going to be different. Something like that. But you get the point. So for us to to feel different and to be different and to to have things... um, I guess, happen and play out differently, then we're going to have to do things a different way. And that's what kind of tonight is about. And then the last one um, said that, well, I'm sorry, the second to last one, the, the, the one of them said that you can hide everything in your head. And again, it kind of goes along with the last thing I said, we're experts at that. We can keep everything in here. This head that we have, this mind, this brain holds so much information, but it also holds so much emotion It can hold so much fear. It can hold so much intimidation. And so as a young person, we have to learn how to deal and how to cope with those things. My favorite person is Kristen Bell. I didn't know who she was. I had to ask Velasco, but she sure is cute. Gosh, she's so cute. She's adorable. What is it? Second movies? Super cute. Um, So anyway, super cute Kristen Bell. Um, She said my favorite thing. She said that, um, you know, her mom sat her down when she was 18 and said, if you're ever feeling like life is swallowing you up, this is what you do. And see, that's the whole key to what I'm talking to you about tonight, because you're this person, you know, your mom and dad, they teach you how to tie your shoes. They teach you how to eat. They teach you how to use the bathroom. They teach you how to get on a bus. They teach you how to walk, ride a bike, play baseball, play the piano. They teach you how to do all these different things. But sometimes, or most of the time, we go through life and we're not teaching our our people, our young people, how to cope. We're not saying, hey, life is not always fun. Life sometimes takes you on a roller coaster ride. Life sometimes brings you on a high and then it's going to plummet you to a really dark and deep, lonely place. But we're not always taught how to deal with that. We're not always taught, okay, when this happens happens, and when you feel like this, even though you've got all these people around you, let me show you or let me teach you how you can deal with it. 
That's something that we're not taught in today's world. We are a world of putting band-aids on things. So that's our culture right now is to let's go ahead and give it a name. And after we give it a name, let's go ahead and put a band-aid on it. And that's what we're doing right now in our culture. And it's not really working out too well for us. So we're going to go to the ultimate guide to learn how to do this. And, and I want you to know too, that like, you're not alone. So obviously, you know that I work at Home of Christian, and honestly, I'm the guidance counselor there. I do as much counseling for kids and teenagers as I do for adults on campus. Sometimes it's staff members. A lot of times it's parents that are coming in. But I do just as much with adults as I do with people your age. And the reason is the same, because we're not taught how to handle life's emotions. We're not taught how to cope. We're not taught how to deal with these things. And so that's one of the things I want to do with you guys tonight. So we're going to use the Bible because the Bible is God's authority. The Bible is the ultimate word. The Bible is our instruction manual. When we read things in the Bible and it's something that, um, that I guess, uh, shows or portrays, um, God's attributes and his character and his righteousness, then we're supposed to pattern after that. But when it's something in the Bible where they didn't do that and they didn't have good results, then we're supposed to learn from it and not do those things. So one of the places, if you've ever heard me speak before, you probably hear me speak. One of my favorite books of the Bible is Psalms for young people because Psalms were written by psalmists and psalmists were super, super real and raw with their emotions. They never hid anything from God. There was no fake, um, ideologies with them. Whatever they felt, they told them. Everything. It all came out. And that's how that's how we need to be. We need to to learn from that. We need to take that pattern that they've given us and then we need to do the same thing with our lives. And so that's kind of what we're going to walk through. Um, the first one I'm going to read, I'm not sure if we have it up or not. The first one I'm going to read is Psalms 42. And I'm a writer in my Bible. In Psalms 42, I've got some things. Like, I kind of like to write, like, I don't know, whenever I'm going through something or for a certain passage or a scripture or whatever um, speaks to me or if it kind of carried me through a situation, then I, like, write it. And so next to Psalm 42, I have a, a little list going. And so um, I have a list of about six things, but um, the earliest one that I can tell, I kind of can't read it because it's kind of tiny. Um, 1998. That's the first. How many of you were alive in 1998? <laughs> chirp, chirp, chirp. Not too many. So the first one was written in 1998. So in 1998, um, I experienced the loss of a baby that I was carrying. And this Psalm 42 got me through that because it was pretty dark. And then the next one uh, says, um, oh, um, Madeline fighting to stay alive, almost dying daily. That's what the next one says, <laughs> literally. Um, the next one says, wow, our dad just died on the same night. That's exactly how I write in my Bible. I feel like, I mean, it's God in me, so I can write like that. And that's exactly what it says. Wow, our dad just died on the same night. But that's still on that same list. The next one says, Michael, something's wrong with him. And underneath it, it says Crohn's. The next one is, well, I'm not going to say the name of the kid, one of my kids. And then it says, um, I don't understand. They need to come back. And then I've got one more. So I've got a list going on Psalms 42 because Psalms is where you need to go to pattern after 
the psalmist and how we handle our ups and downs and our ups and downs. All right, so I'll read this one off of here. So it says, for the director of music, we'll skip that part. All right. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with my God? My tears have been my food day and night. Don't flip it yet. I'm sorry, go back. My tears have been my food day and night. How many of you have had those times in your life where your tears are your food day and night? So this psalmist is in what kind of spot in their life? Sad? Probably something hard, something difficult. Maybe they're lonely. Maybe they're fearful. But we know that they're anguishing, right? All right, keep going. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember. So people are saying like, why are you even still faithful? Why are you even still believing? Why are you searching after your God? Because obviously whatever this person has gone through is so difficult that everybody else around them is saying, why are you, why are you still putting faith in God? And, but the psalmist, now take note, he was anguishing. And so now he changes his tide and he says, but these things I remember as I pour out my soul. What is the psalmist doing? Pouring out his soul. Who is he pouring it out to? God. So he's pouring out his soul. And now he's reflecting on the positives. He's reflecting on truths. He's reflecting on things that has happened in his life that he knew has brought him closer to God. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Don't change it. So he's, he's telling himself, he's re-reminding himself, I used to be, I used to run to God and I used to shout with joy and praise. And then number five says, verse five says, why my soul are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? So the psalmist is sitting there saying, don't, he's like, Hey, don't forget this. I'm going to label later is self-talk. The psalmist is saying, hello, wake up. Yes. Your life is kind of sucky right now. Yes. Things are going on around you. Nobody's really encouraging you, but run to God. Remember, why am I sad? Why am I feeling like this? Because I know where I used to be. Put your hope in God. This isn't someone talking to the psalmist. This is the psalmist talking to themselves. It's the psalmist pouring out their heart to God. And he's reminding himself, put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him. And that's what that, that's the key of tonight is no matter what you're going, whether you're on a high, whether you're on a low, where you're in a deep, dark fear, you have to still praise God, praise him, my savior and my God, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, therefore, so when my soul is downcast, therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan. When you're at those moments where you are the most scared, the most lonely, the most isolated, we're going to learn from this and we're going to make sure that we are still praising God, that we're staying in his cleft of the rock. We're going to stay where he can protect us, where he can keep us safe because there's no one else in this world that you're going to run to where you're going to get that. Okay. So the next one, 
It says the heights of Hermon from Mount Mazar, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. This person's going through torment. Like think about the roughest beach you've ever been in. They're fun, but they beat the crud out of you, right? When those waves are pounding on you. So this is somebody who is like getting beaten up by life. But he's still saying by day, the Lord directs his love. And at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my father. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? So do you get the do you get the sense that even the psalmist is kind of like, what would we call that in today's world? <laughs> bipolar hurt someone. I knew somebody would say it bipolar, manic, because what is the psalmist doing? I'm like at the deepest, my life sucks. This is horrible. The waves are crashing over me, but I love you, God. And I know that I'm going to run to you. And then here we go again. But why? Cause he just said he was going to the rock, right? I'm just going to the rock, but now why have you forgotten me? Why am I like, right? He's up and down, but that's, it's kind of like what I want you to picture. I want you to picture the psalmist knowing what he's feeling, but also knowing what he has to do to stop feeling like that. And it's going to take time. It's going to take a little bit of work. Does the psalmist give up? No, he doesn't because you can read through all of the book of Psalms. It never, ever ends on the despair ever. They always end on, oh, that's right. God does love me. Oh, that's right. I am safe in him. And so that's what you have to remember is that this is an up and down thing. When we're feeling like we might be at the bottom of the pit, when we're feeling like we're super afraid, it's going to take a little bit. It's going to take a little bit of work from you. It's going to take a little bit of the up and down. But if you continue to press forward, God will get you to the other side. And that's what happens. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony. So obviously he's going through something also physical. As my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And then he, he remembers again. He's got it. He's told himself for the last time, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And so every single time you can keep going through them, they're all doing and resonating the same exact thing. This tide where they have to remind themselves what the truths are, but then they're probably going to get low again. But then they're going to go back and remind themselves what those truths are. But then it might, they might start feeling that, that, you know, whatever it is that they're dealing with. But then they're going to go back and they're going to keep telling themselves truths. And that's what we're going to do. Um, so that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm just going to kind of take you on like a little journey of different people. And I'm just going to real brief, I'm going to give you a couple of examples from the Bible. I'm going to kind of speed through these so I can get to how do we actually navigate this ourselves. So one person I thought of obviously was David. Um, and I'm just going to give you little snippets of what they said. So David, was, he wrote like many of the Psalms. 
then he's like a great example because there were times where he was like being captivated by enemies. He was at the lowest points of his life, but he always turned back around and worshiped and praised God. The next one I'm going to do is Elijah. So, um, yes. All right. So I'm going to read you a little piece of verse from Elijah. Elijah was really weary. He was discouraged after he ended up um, battling um, Baal. And so he was on this high. And then all of a sudden, this wicked lady named Jezebel starts kind of coming after him, coming after him and she's threatening him. And so he's really, really afraid and he's really, really scared and he has a lot to fear. So in today's world, when we have a lot to fear and we're really, really scared, what is the term that we give that? I didn't hear it yet. We, oh, I have so much anxiety. So in today's world, if we were writing the Bible, it would probably say Elijah was having an anxiety attack. And so this is, and you could tell by what he said, it's, they just didn't use that term then, but now we do. So in first Kings 19, four, it says, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. So, like, it was pretty bad for Elijah. But you know what Elijah did? Elijah ended up returning. And so what happened was... Um, um, an angel of the Lord went to him and brought him to this place and they fed him. And then ultimately Elijah kind of like got it together again. And he was kind of, his little spirit was renewed with God. Same thing with Job, poor Job. Job is one that lost everything in the Bible. So Satan and God were kind of having like this little conversation and, um, Satan was like, well, Job only worships you because he's like really wealthy. He's got an awesome family. He's got all these cattle. He's got all this great stuff. And so God was like, no, 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 go ahead. You can test him. You can do whatever you want with him. Just don't kill him. And so that's exactly what happened. So all these terrible things start happening to Job one after the other, after the other. And so poor little Job, he's lost like everything, his wealth, his cattle, his land, his, all of his kids were taken from, they all died. And he was left with his wife. And so in that, in uh, Job 3.26, he says, in one part he says, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. And so many times that's how we feel. But the Bible also tells us that Job never, ever gave up on God. Job's faithfulness and his love of God always stayed steadfast. And then the next one is Jeremiah. He's um, what they call the weeping prophet. And basically he was just always rejected. So like God would send him out to go speak to people and go um, prophesy to people. And then those people would reject him. And then at one point, God tells him not to marry. And then at another point, he tells him that he can't have kids. So now all the people that he's like, this is his mission. This is Jeremiah's purpose in life. So think about what you might think your purpose is. And every, like all the time, every time you go to do it, you're rejected. And then you find out that you can't get married, you can't have kids. He probably felt a little isolated and alone, right? And he kind of had that same thing where he was tormenting, but at the same time, he turns that right around and he stays faithful and he completes the plan that God has for him. And so we kind of have to do that exact same thing. And then the last one I have actually is Jesus as my example. 
And not that I would say that Jesus was depressed and that he suffered from anxiety, but um, I think it's Isaiah 53.3 does say this about it. I don't know if they have it up there, but it says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering of, and familiar with pain. Like one from whom hide their faces, he was despised, and he was held in the lowest of esteem. And I want you to remember that um, in all that we face and all that we endure and all that we go through, Jesus knows what we're walking through. Like, think about it. He had to feel so alone. He was different than any other human on the face of this earth. And the people that he was closest to, most of them he knew were going to kind of either betray him or turn away from him or walk away from him or not even acknowledge him. And then he had to carry the sin of the world. And he knew what he was about to be, what was going to happen to him and the torture he was going to receive. So he had to have difficult moments. But again, we know He stayed faithful. He stayed true. He stayed in that place where God could always direct and could always comfort him. And I love the song that we sang tonight instead. Um, We sang, you stood in our place, no other name. Um, In the one part it says, you stand by my side. And that's what you have to remember yourself and, and keep telling yourself. That's what all of these people in the Bible, that's what the psalmist, that's what every single one of them does. They remember that there is no other name than Jesus. And he's the only one that is ever truly going to stand by your side a hundred percent and be able to walk you through these situations in your life. Um, so like I said, the, the two words that we throw around the most today are depression and anxiety. And we know that depression, most of us say that, oh, I'm just depressed or, oh, I'm not feeling great or I'm having anxiety about this. What I want you to understand is that there's a clinical depression and anxiety, and then there's like the world's form of depression and anxiety. And I want you to understand that it is a huge difference. There is an enormous, enormous difference. So clinical depression... Clinical depression is um, a mood. It's something that comes over the person to where they're feeling completely and totally despondent. And that means that their emotions are at the bottom, at a pit. So it interrupts their life so much that they cannot function as a human, which means they can't get out of bed. They lose their jobs. That's what clinical depression is. Clinical anxiety is very similar, but it's where we have physical symptoms. So we're very nervous or we're very fearful about something, and it interrupts your daily life, interrupts it to a spot where you're totally and completely debilitated. So when I was in graduate school at Nichols, I had to counsel clients my last year during my practicum, and I had this lady... And when she came to me, she lived in Thibodeau. And when she would come to me, um, she would, I think her husband had to drive. But it would take them almost 45 minutes to get to Nichols. And they lived just a couple of minutes away. But the reason is because she developed, she got in a car wreck, just a very simplistic car wreck on a bridge in Thibodeau. And from that, she started having kind of like a little irrational fear about bridges 
but then she didn't kind of handle and process that fear the right way. And so it, she allowed it to grow and to fester and she could not stop thinking about this fear of bridges that she had. And it grew and it grew to where it literally, it, it completely wrecked their lives because she would not drive over a bridge. Do you know how hard that is in South Louisiana not to drive over a bridge? Like just the little, little ones that go between the bikes. She would not drive over a bridge any longer. So now she had a child and she wasn't able to care for the child. She wasn't able to take him to school, to pick him up from school. She wasn't able to, to really live as a human because of this fear, this anxiety she had about these bridges. But really, her husband had tried to get her help way in the beginning and that's kind of the thing that, that we want to talk about. That is clinical anxiety. I want to make sure you guys understand the difference between something that's clinical, which means that your whole life is being destroyed from it, versus the ups and downs of what we go through. The word tells us we're going to experience pain and sorrow. The word tells us we're going to go through problems, right? And we know that already. Our world is a tough place to live in. We've got to deal with the pressures of everything in your lives. You've got to deal with your teachers, your parents, family life, jobs, sports, you know, everything that you guys do. That's where today, in today's world, we start tossing around very callously this term of being depressed or having anxiety. And the warning that I want to come to you with today is that what we speak we hear, right? As we speak it, oh, I'm depressed. Oh, I'm depressed about this. Oh, this happened and I'm so depressed. Uh, I'm just having a little bit of anxiety about this or this is coming up and I'm feeling very anxious. Or So what we are speaking, we are hearing. What you hear, you believe. You believe it long enough, you start to live it. And as you live it, that's where things start to change inside of your life. And so I just encourage you, I'm going to walk you through a couple of steps that we're going to go through. And the way that I, when I counsel people, doesn't matter if they're an adult or a kid, the way that I get them to think of it is think of a, um, like a contractor. If I went someplace and I asked a contractor to come back to my house to build something, um, what does he need? Tools, right? Like what's, what kind of tools? Hammers screwdriver, nails, a saw, crescent wrench, a drill thing, a, um, a level, a corner thing. I don't know. Stuff like that. Right. But if the contractor came to my house and they didn't have all those tools, what would they be doing? Nothing. Chilling. Right. Would they get paid? No, they would not get paid by me. So this is what I want you to think about. If you are having some of these, I like to call them stressors. Okay. So stressors could be grades. Stressors could be boyfriends, girlfriends, families, moms, dads, sisters, aunts, uncles. They can be, um, athletics. They could be too full of a schedule. They could be not enough schedule. They could be not having very many friends. They could have too many friends. All of those things in our life can, can be presented as stressors to you. So what I like to think of it as is if you have all these stressors in your life, but if you think of it in the context of the contractor, if the contractor doesn't have any tools, he cannot build his house. 
if you guys have all these stressors in your life and have all these situations in your life, but you don't have any tools, you cannot build a foundation of a sound mind. And that's what the word tells us to have a sound mind, right? But if you don't have tools, then you can't build that foundation inside of your mind, right? So you have to have tools to be able to kind of conquer and overcome some of these things. So the first one, um, the first one is going to be release. Um, when I think of release, the thing that I want you to know is that um, God is like a gentleman, okay? He's not forceful. He can be, but when he's dealing with us as his precious child, he's not. He's gentle. He has a gentle spirit. And so one of the other songs we sang said, um, does it, it's, I think it says when we move, I'm terrible with words. When you move, yes, that's it. When you move, right, you move all of our fears. And I want you to picture this picture. If I had like this little shield or something on top of my head, okay, God's gentle with us. He's a gentleman. He doesn't force salvation on anybody, does he? And so the same thing is true of our lives and our difficulties and our stressors. He's not going to force any of you to run to him like the psalmist. We have to do what? And we have to run to him. We have to choose to run to him. And so I want you to kind of think of it as if you've got this kind of like shield or this little barrier kind of over you. God needs to see that we need him. God needs to see that, yeah, I'm willing to say I cannot deal with this on my own. I cannot handle these feelings. I can't handle these fears on my own. God, I need you. When we step out and we do that, when we release that to him, it's kind of like that barrier is taken away from us. It's gone. It's, it's moved. And then he's going to come in and he's going to wrap you up. He's going to hold you. He's going to stand by your side. He's going to walk through the things that you need him to walk through with you. But you have to release it to him. And that's what the psalmist did. We very clearly saw that he released all of his feelings. God, he's a big guy. Like he can handle your emotions. I promise. There's nothing that you can throw at him that he can't handle. So release all of your fears, all of your emotions to him so that he can come in and he can take them. Um, don't forget that it's a cycle, right? We know that the psalmist was releasing and then he kind of like went back, right? But God, this is how I feel. And then he released it again and then he reminded himself, okay, yeah, but I love you and I know that you've been good and I know that you've been faithful to me. So remember that it's a cycle, the second thing I want you to know is that you have to believe in power and you have to recognize. Guys, don't forget that you have the power, the same power, same power that, that rose Jesus from the dead, right? That same power is in you. So you have the power to overcome these things. And what happens is they're scary. These feelings that we're talking about, this isolation, this loneliness, this feeling that you're despondent, that you're scared, that you're so fearful, they're scary feelings. That's just the bottom line. And they're intimidating and they're overwhelming. 
but you have the power to overcome them and you have to know that you have the power and you have to believe that you have enough power through Jesus to overcome each and every one of them. But you have to believe it. You have to speak it so that you hear it. After you hear it, you're going to start knowing it. When you know it, when it's in your head, you're going to start living it. But if you never speak those truths, if you never speak that you have the power to overcome this, then you're never going to hear it. You're never going to have it in your mind. You're never going to seal it in your heart. So you have to start doing that. Um, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10 says this. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. This is Paul speaking. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. So that Christ's power, I'm sorry, therefore I boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, I am strong. So Paul was, Paul was afflicted with something, and no one really knows what it is. But they do know that it was something that was big. It was huge in his life. And he never, ever got rid of it. But it was a weakness. And in that weakness, he was made strong. When we're weak, those times when we're weak, it's one of those weird mysteries of God that's unexplainable. But I know it because I know that I've lived it. When we're at our weakest points, as long as we call out to him, as long as we run to him to shield and protect us and walk by our side, you are made strong. Sometimes it might be a physical strength, but I'm pretty positive it means you're made strong, strong enough to walk through whatever it is that you're walking through. You need to memorize these, one of these, like this little set of verses to know that in your weaknesses, as long as you're walking alongside of him and you're searching after him, he's going to make you strong enough to make it through whatever it is that you're going through. The other thing I would remind you is that you need to recognize that what you're going through is a natural cycle of life, just like the psalmist. Don't call it what it's not. Get those words out of your mouth. Stop saying depressed. Stop saying anxiety. Get them out of your mouth. And whatever you do, don't wrap up in it like a warm, cozy blanket. Because that's what our tendency is. We start feeling funky. We start feeling low. We start feeling like sad and desperate and lonely. We hurt. We're scared. And then we start dwelling on it and we start thinking on it. And then we know exactly what happens. We keep doing it, right? And then we tell people about it. And then and we just keep going and going in that same circle. But what happens really is that you, get, you need to get the picture of yourself getting your favorite like sweatshirt or your favorite blanket and you're just wrapping up and, and you're just getting all snuggly close in it. Like you just... We just love that fear. You love feeling like that. We don't really love it, right? But we do kind of mm, snuggle up in it because it's easy. That's easy. 
to pull yourself out and to go round and round like the psalmist, that's hard. That's really, really difficult. There's nothing easy about that at all. That's really difficult. And that's the reason why we do it. We stay snuggled up in those fears and in those hurts because it's easy. It's just easier to stay at the bottom of a pit because to get out of a pit, we have to do what? You got to climb, you got to, you know, like reach up, you got to pull yourself up. And most of, for most of us, our arms are weaker than our legs, but that's what happens. You got to fight to get out that pit. And so it's just easier to kind of lay and wallow in the pit. Um, Oh, I lost my number three and four. Hold on. Where are they? Oh, there they are. Ooh, three is one of my favorites. Three is prayer. Three is prayer. That's one of my favorites. Um, in the mornings, when you are in these funky little spots, in the mornings, you have to. It's not an option. It's a have to. You have to get up, get yourself up, and you have to pray a hedge of protection around you. you got to pray a hedge of protection around your mind, around your day, around your thoughts, around your words. And like you say it, you pray it out loud. And you cover yourself because if you're not doing it, who's doing it? Nobody. Maybe your mama, but maybe not. Maybe your grandma, but maybe not. So you need to be the one to cover yourself. God, protect me. I think I wrote a little sample one. So you could get up in the morning and you know that you're kind of going through this rough spell. You just kind of go before him, just real simple, real short, real sweet. God, I am so in this funky spot. I feel like I'm alone. I feel like I'm isolated. I feel like there's nobody who understands me. I feel like I'm the only one right now that feels like this. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to be with my family. I don't want to go. You go and tell them all of those things. And then you end it with, but God, you are with me. You are by my side. You are walking with me. You are going to help me make it through the day. You are going to help me make it to lunch. You are going to be the one that's going to hold up my head and be the lifter of my spirit. And then at lunch, guess what you need to do? You need to go take a little break somewhere, zone out in your classroom for about four or five minutes, go to the bathroom and do it. I don't care how you do it, but you need to do it again. And you need to cover yourself again in that prayer until you get to the point where you're at night. And then at night, guess what you need to do again? You need to cover yourself before you go to sleep. If you're not covering yourself in prayer, who is doing it? And so you're going to stay in the exact same place where you are. The next one for, um, prayer is that, um, You need to take measures into your own hands. You guys are old enough to to do what you need to do. So you get a little bit of olive oil because olive oil is awesome. And you go over the door frame of your bedroom. And I want you to anoint your door frame with oil. You know why? Because it signifies to God that you're designating that area unto him. And that there is no thoughts... There's no fears, there's no actions, there's no evil that's going to present itself in this room. Because that's where we go to retreat. That's where we go to wrap up in that blanket and get all cozy with those fears. So you're going to anoint above your bed. Take the oil, put it over your bed. So that when I lie down to sleep, my thoughts are going to be of you. My thoughts are going to be that you love me, that you adore me, that you cherish me, that you've got a purpose for me, that people love me, that people adore me, that I'm in school with every day, that I have a family that cares for me. If you're not doing it, who's doing it for you? Not too many people. 
The next thing I want you to remember to do, two more for that one. One, you need to self-talk. You need to tell yourself, keep reminding yourself truths of God. Write them down. I'm a child of God. I'm a, a, a precious daughter of God. I'm a son of God. He has a purpose for me. He has a plan for me. Tell yourself those things all day long instead of the negative things that we kind of dwell on. And then the last one, you need an accountability person. You need someone that you can shoot a text to the minute you wake up and say, Hey, I'm dealing with this. I'm scared of this. I'm having this fear. I feel like this. Please pray for me all day. It needs to be somebody who will pray for you, but you need somebody that you can go to that you can do that with. The next one is worship. Um, David played songs for a reason. He played songs to soothe his soul to lift his spirits. Worship is going on 24-7 in heaven for eternity because there's something about worship that precedes a move of God. And so when we enter into worship, when we listen to worship music, that's what it does. It precedes a move of God. So you need to surround yourself and immerse yourself with worship. Everywhere around you, you need to constantly listen to it. It needs to be in your earbuds. It needs to be, um, you know, in your car. Well, I got my little papers all messed up, people. You need to put that worship music any and everywhere that you can. Um, I'm a believer in that one. So I believe that um, those of you, how many of you like listen to sound machi- machines and stuff like that before you go to bed? You need to put on worship music. If you can't sleep with worship music on, you put it really, really low to where you kind of don't hear it. And it's still being played. It's still inviting God's presence into your room while you are sleeping. You need to have it on. If you can, leave it on. If you can sleep while it's on, leave it on. When you're in these little, these little time cycles, have worship music going all the time. It does something for you. And then you also need to monitor the other music you're listening to. Weed out anything that you shouldn't be listening to. Scripture. You need to attach on the scriptures. These little uh, computers you have in your hand all day long, when you're battling something, when you're battling um, maybe evil thoughts or when you're battling a fear of certain kinds, take your phone. It's real simple. Go to the little Safari thing, you know, you click it. And then as soon as it comes up, you type in the most simplistic search you can. Scriptures on, somebody throw out a word. Fear. Fear. Scriptures on fear. It's going to come up with at least your first one's probably going to say 37 scriptures on fear. Anxiety. Scriptures on anxiety. You click it in and it's going to give you a ton of scriptures. Take three. Read through them. Take the three that reach you and touch you the most and memorize them. Take five. Write them on index cards and plaster them everywhere. It needs to be in your binders. It needs to be on your dresser, on your mirrors, in your car, in your bathroom, in your kitchen. Everywhere that you walk, you need to see those scriptures so that every time you're struggling, you go back to that key scripture. But you need to have three that are key scriptures so that those are the ones you can rest on. Um, Another one that I want you to do is um, set reminders on your phone. Take the scriptures, copy Paste it on a reminder, you know, on the little reminder thing so that they pop up during the day. 
like all during the day, set it so that you're seeing those scriptures pop up so that it's constantly reminding you right truths. I just encourage everybody to do this before you go to bed tonight, set a reminder on your phone that says, God loves me. God cherishes me. God adores me and set them for all different times in your phone so that all during the day you see things. God has a purpose for me. He has a plan. God thinks I'm beautiful. God thinks I'm amazing. So if they come up on your phone all through the day and you're seeing these little truths and reminders to yourself. Um, I want you to learn how to take scripture and I want you to use it as a prayer for yourself. So let's say something like um, Deuteronomy 31, 8. If I, that was my key scripture and it says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Learn how to pray that over yourself. Learn how to turn it into a prayer. God, please, I need you to go before me today. I need you to go before me in everything that I do. In all that I am and all that I, everywhere that I go, I need you to walk before me. I know that you never leave me and I know that you will never, ever forsake me. I will not be afraid today. Do not let me be discouraged. Take scriptures and turn them into prayers for yourself. It becomes really, really powerful. Number six, know your triggers. You know what gives you those thoughts. You know what makes you feel bad about yourself. You know what makes you, um, you know, have fears. You know what that is. Stay away from them. Avoid them. Make sure you're not entertaining them. One of the things I think that triggers a lot of young people today is what you're watching Monitor what you're watching on Netflix, on TV, on Hulu, in movies. If you know that you struggle with thoughts that bring you to the bottom, to the pit, that maybe it might even be suicidal thoughts, then why are we going to watch and fill our brains with these images where the characters in those shows are constantly saying that they have anxiety or depression or they're constantly feeling like they want to kill themselves? Don't entertain that. Don't watch it. If that's a trigger, turn it off, move on, find another one, find something funny and happy and light. Um, number seven, have alternative activities. This one's super important. When you're struggling with these thoughts, when you're struggling with these things in your head, you need an alternative. You have to replace one thing with another. Everybody has something for some people, it might be journaling. For some people, it might be dancing. For some people, it might be singing. For some people, it might be, I don't know, shuffling cards. I don't know. Everybody, I don't know. Everybody has something. For some people, it might be running. I don't know. Everybody has something. Find your thing that is going to be your release. Everybody needs a release, an emotional release. You have to find what works for you. What works for me is not going to work for you. What works for you might not work for me, but everybody has to have a release. And I just want to teach you a little bit of science right now. Um, anybody knows what endorphins are? Endorphins are uh, basically they're in your brain. And so what happens is when you, when you take part in physical exercise, your brain releases these endorphins. The endorphins block the receptor so you can't feel pain. 
Like you're not able to feel pain. If you've ever heard of like a runner's high, that's really what they're talking about. It means that they've run so far and so long that the endorphins have been released. So they're not feeling the pain that their body's going through. And it, it, um, it kind of enhances your body to have good feelings. So whenever you're low, whenever you're struggling, you need to really honestly go do a little bit of physical exercise because that's like a natural mood lifter. It's automatic. You can't control it. It's going to happen whether you want it to happen or not. So that's another one. That could be a good release for you. Number eight, hurting yourself is never, ever an option. So I got two things to say about that. The first one is 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from your God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Because the, the Holy Spirit is he's living and dwelling on the inside of you. But if you're ever in that spot where you physically want to hurt yourself, What's really going on is that you're telling yourself you need a release. That's what that is. So any time that you feel the need to hurt yourself in any kind of a way, today's the day where I want you to hear that. And I want you to know when you have those thoughts or those feelings, you're really needing a release, an emotional release. And so you have to go back and one, know what that trigger was that made you feel that. And don't go back there. Don't repeat that same trigger. And then two, you have to find a release. You have to find something that works for you because that's what really is going on. That's what's happening. And so you have to get to that spot where you convince and you tell yourself and you remind yourself, I'm not doing this. I'm not going down this road because God is going to stand by me. He is going to be the one that's going to pull me out of this. He is going to be the one that's going to walk by my side. He's going to be the one that's going to lift my head so that I don't do this to myself because the Holy Spirit lives in me. The Holy Spirit is comforting me. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to walk me through this. When I am weak, I am strong. When I am weak, God's power in me is going to get me and make me strong enough that I'm going to get to the other side without hurting myself. And so I encourage you, always remember that. Share that with people that you know. And then the last thing I kind of want to leave you with is anxiety. Because anxiety is a little bit different than what we say depression is, right? Anxiety has that that physical element to it. So it's these strong, intense feelings that we have, and they're usually coupled with a fear, but they present themselves in physical ways. What's some things that happen to us whenever we're, we're feeling anxious? You start to shake. You hyperventilate. You breathe really fast. What about your heart? Your heart beats super fast, but what about your muscles? They might twitch or they tighten, right? Those are all common symptoms that whenever we're feeling anxious. So the first thing is, if you're someone who struggles with that, know your trigger. Everybody has a trigger. Same exact thing. Everybody has a trigger. Something triggers it. 
As soon as you know what those triggers are, you need to type them in your phone, put them in a journal, do something, avoid them. Sometimes we can't avoid them like the lady with the bridges. So this is the way you're avoiding that where we live. But the second thing is automatically, if you struggle with that, you have to tell yourself, okay, I know this is a trigger. I know that I'm about to start feeling like this. And the second thing you need to do is to prepare for the physical And you have to know, again, that you're strong enough to overcome it. Get yourself, like, to a place where you can, like, what I usually tell people is you need to open up. Because what what do our bodies want to do? They want to tighten and tense, right? You are in control of your mind. God has given you a sound mind. So you're in control of that. You're going to get yourself in a spot where you're sitting in a chair and you have to make sure that you're loose. A really good tactic to do is to take your hands and open them up and you just kind of like, like if you're sitting down, you just kind of like, kind of go over like the tops of your legs because then you can't tighten up and you just kind of like real, you know, like slow, or you can do that with your hands. But the thing is, you want to open up your body. What are you going to do with your eyes? What's a good thing to do? Close them. When you close your eyes, you get your mind to like a happy place. Happy places are good. So you're counteracting those body symptoms with other symptoms. You're replacing one with the other. So now we know what our trigger is. We're getting ready for the physical. We're um, opening up our bodies. We're making sure we're not getting tense. We're closing our eyes. And like my happy place is the beach. So if I'm ever feeling like that, I put myself on a beach. And I'm, I'm like, good, right there, done. Some other people, it might be in the middle of the woods, might be in the water, it might be in your bed, whatever. Get yourself to your happy place. And what do you need to do with your breathing? You have to make sure that you are in control and you are the one telling yourself what to do. See, what happens is we keep telling ourselves, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, whatever. But really, we're supposed to be telling ourselves, I can do this. God is in control. I have to breathe slow. And you do it. Because you're making yourself do it. You have a sound mind. You are in control. And then um, the next thing that you end up doing is you kind of focus on your key scriptures because you're always going to keep those in mind. So that's number three. You focus on your key scriptures. And then the last one is you get your spot yourself to that spot where you can either like just kind of quickly close your eyes and pray or you can like maybe go to a bathroom or something. And you completely and totally remind yourself that God is the one walking by you. He's walking on the side of you. And when we are the weakest, he is what? He is strong. And he makes you strong so that you can get through whatever it is you're walking through. So key things that you need to remember tonight. You are strong You are strong because your heavenly father loves you and adores you. And he's equipped you with everything you need to overcome every thought, every feeling, and every fear. He will always walk you through the steps. Do not ever claim it. Do not ever speak it over yourself. And do not ever nuzzle and kind of cuddle up with it in that warm blanket. Go to the word. Go to Psalms. Be a psalmist. Go and go circle that whole circle effect. I'm going to give myself to him. I might go back down, but I'm going to give myself over. I'm going to give my mind back to him. And you keep fighting to get yourself out of those pits. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this night, almighty God. Lord, we thank you that you are 
You are our everything, God. You are our shield. You are our protector. You are our rock. God, we thank you that you adore us. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you cherish us. God, we thank you that you don't want us to stay in our pits. You don't want us to stay scared, lonely, frightened, fearful. You you don't want us to stay in that spot where we feel isolated and alone. God, we thank you that, that you are the one, that when we are the weakest, when we're at these weak moments, God, we give you glory and honor that you're going to help us. You're going to walk side by side with us, pulling us out, bringing us to where we need to be, almighty God. Father, we thank you. We love you. We glorify you. And we thank you so much for loving us enough to never, ever leave us, never forsake us that you always pull us, you always bring us by your side. We ask these things in your name. Amen.